In studio with us this morning, Deborah Tufel. She is president and CEO of the Hutchinson Reno County Chamber of Commerce. And Deborah, uh, first of all, thank you for being here once again. And thank you for what the chamber is continuing to do to bring folks into the community to talk about what's happening in the economy. Last week was uh, Wichita State's folks came in and did their economic outlook conference. And I know that that is something that you look forward to every year because it gives you an opportunity to give some solid data to your members. That's right. This is the third year we have hosted that event. And thank you for having us on today, Nick. Um, So Jeremy Hill with the Center for Economic Development and Business Research takes his show on the road. You know, they do a fall conference in Wichita and then they go to other communities around the state. And we're privileged to be one of those. And we sponsor this um, so that we can deliver good, solid economic outlook information to our community, but also then kind of a forecast of what to expect in the statewide and global economy. And uh, Jeremy brought some of his team over. They delved into uh, manufacturing and the outlook for that. But he also brought with him uh, Dr. Stan Longhofer, who has come for the last couple of years as well. And he's with the Center for Real Estate at Wichita State. And so he takes a dive into what's happening in the real estate market. And, uh, and then we wrapped it up with a local business conditions survey, kind of outlook on what our local businesses said to our recent survey. Okay, so what did they say on the survey? Yeah, so um, we survey our chamber members every January, and we ask them to take a look back at what sales did in the previous year, as well as what employment has done, and do they expect then that to be growing? And um, the good news is that most of the respondents said that last year was a pretty solid year. Um, sales actually increased for, on, by and large, and um, and so most of them also have a pretty fair outlook for this year. In fact, um, there were several of the companies that responded that said that they feel that this could be a year that they continue to invest in their business, whether that's in physical facilities or in um, new machinery and equipment. So pretty favorable outlook. The number one thing that they continued to um, say that's holding them back is workforce. And workforce is a challenge for everyone, and we are not immune to it. Um, but they, they kind of rated their workforce based on soft skills and basic skills required for the job. Um, most businesses feel like they can train people for the actual technical aspects of the job, but they want folks to have soft skills when they come in. And that's the reason we do some of the programs we do with the schools to prepare young people for those jobs. Right. Yeah. Uh, career Quest and those kinds of things that uh, that the it's it's the things that it, it, to those who have worked for a while may seem simple that are the ones that we want that these owners are talking about. We're talking about things like showing up on time, having a positive attitude, being a person that uh, that has a growth mindset that wants to learn from the person that's been there a while, uh, those kinds of things. You, you nailed it, Nick. Mm-hmm. Those are all of the things that we like to see in the young people that we're investing time in. Um, it's no secret we've talked about on this show, uh, CareerQuest as a program for 
sixth graders. And while sixth graders are still figuring out their place in the world and they're still several years away from entering the workforce, they have minds that are still ready to soak up everything um, that we'll give them. And so we take that show on the road with the sixth graders to learn about careers across the economy. Next week, actually, is our first health care day for this group of sixth graders. We did the Manufacturing Expo in the fall. Um, we will follow health care days, which are going to be held at Hutch Regional as well as Hutch Clinic, with um, some days this April. We're going to have Agribusiness Day again in Haven. And so several businesses converge in Haven and we'll bring kids from all across Reno County in for that day. And then we'll follow that up, I think, the first week of May with Public Service Day. So we don't do this just for fun. Uh, we do it to benefit our future you know, workforce pipeline. And so these kids are learning about what they may want to be or what they may not want to be, but they're also hearing from people who are in the workforce about what it takes to do those careers. And they weave in a little bit of that soft skills coaching along the way. Well, and the great part about this also is you find those jobs doing the things you want to do, but that there may be in the field that you say to yourself, I didn't know a per there was they needed a person that does that at the hospital or the ag place or whatever. If you had told um, someone who loves numbers, you realize that accounting is huge when you come when it comes to healthcare because of all the coding and everything they have to do, they would say, wait a second. Okay, so I can work at the hospital and be an accountant. Uh, that just as an example of something where you're saying, yeah, okay, that's it, those two things may not seem like they go together, but but they can. If you love a particular area of school or a particular area of what you're doing, uh, there are lots of different industries that can use your skills. That's right. And one of my favorite stories that we tell about is at One Oak, and Nathan Alexander at One Oak brought a variety of folks from his operation in to talk about what they do, and and they talk about the economics of it too and what education is required to do their job um, you know you can go out to a manufacturer and you can see it's not just someone that's running the machine it does take someone in marketing it takes human resources it takes sales so um, kids get to see that in real time and it really does help connect the dots and spark you know a light bulb moment for some of them of what excites them um, you know I have my own lessons learned from when I was a young person and I thought during high school I wanted to be an engineer and I got into engineering and realized that wasn't what I wanted to do for a career. So um, we help. We want to make sure kids are making those, uh, having those light bulb moments early, so they can actually prepare for the right course load in high school and get into the right technical career training that we offer here at the Career and Tech Ed Academy and at HCC, so that we're getting folks into the workforce, plugged into the right seat on the, on the bus earlier. So getting back to your survey of uh, employers, uh, it sounds like. Economic conditions are generally positive if they can find the, the people to do the work. Yeah, so 78% had pretty optimistic outlooks um, from business sales increasing last year. And another, oh, about 58% said that they expected sales this year to be increasing. And the other 42% said stable. None of the businesses that responded said sales were decreasing. So that's a good thing. But, um, but the primary issue that they said was affecting them, 31% continued to say that access to childcare is still plaguing their businesses. And it's the reason that 
that we've been so involved as a community in trying to solve that challenge through the Reno County Child Care Task Force, through applications for accelerator grants that are helping projects across the county. Um, it's it's the reason we've really doubled down on child care as um, a need in the community, and it's, it's coming straight from the businesses. They also said that housing availability and affordability are plaguing business uh, retention of employees or being able to attract employees. So, and that, you know, we take businesses out um, when they are recruiting a new um, individual to come in for a key job in the community. Many times we get involved in community tours. And that is the one thing that I think most businesses have said. It's really, you know, they can attract the business, the, the individuals here for the jobs. But when they're trying to find a place to live, couple that with if they have young children trying to find child care, it has been a real challenge in recent years. Okay. So are there employers that are considering providing child care as a benefit? I know the hospital talked about it, but that was, that was quite a while ago. Um, any other employers that you're hearing of that, that say, not only do we want to get into the child care space, but we want to get into it far enough that we're act- that we'll actually have a child care center for our employees. Um, so far, most of them have said we want to be part of the solution, and some have looked at how they could carve out space for it. I think the reality is that they felt like it's best to leave child care for the experts. That when you get into the facility requirements for a child care center, um, what those space requirements are, the outdoor play areas, just the amenities required that are very specific to children. Um, It hasn't been really practical for many industries to bring that kind of amenity on site, but they are supportive. And, you know, there is a child care tax credit for businesses to take advantage of, and we can get you more information about that at the chamber if you call. But um, most of them have said, we want to provide a means for our employees to find child care, but I don't know of any that have actually brought child care on site as of yet. That's that's just something that uh, obviously the school districts are doing some of that, but I've also heard from those same school districts that that to a great degree, they expect that to be, for want of a better way of putting it, a competitive advantage for them as an employer uh, because those are the people they're going to look at first to fill slots. Why would why would they not? You know, it seems logical if you are going to bring it bring someone in, bring in a limited num- limited amount of space for childcare. You would want those to go to your employees because then that solves your pro- that solves two of your problems, not just one. Right, and schools have been able to jump into that space a lot more readily. Obviously, they're in the business of educating kids. They're not uh, foreign to all the requirements of what that what are required of childcare centers. So it's been been not as big of a leap for them to figure out how can we create child care opportunities that one serve the community but also then obviously help as a retention tool for their own teaching staff all right so having said that child care is still an issue obviously workforce is still an issue um when you say growth in sales did you clarify with them whether that is inflation adjusted uh because obviously everybody's sales of the same thing are going to technically grow dollar for dollar because they're charging seven cents for the widget instead of five, so to speak. Right. Uh, You understand what I'm asking? I do. And we didn't ask the inflation adjusted question, but I will answer it in this way. Um, They're also having to keep up with wage increases. And so we did ask the question there and that definitely the inflation effect on wages is a real thing. Um, 
every employer basically said they had to increase wages last year just to keep up with inflation. And some of these numbers way outpace inflation. So 32% increased wages less than 5%. Um, 36% said that they were increasing them 6 to 10%. So that's what I would say the inflation adjusted. And then you've got another 32% that increased wages more than 11%. And some of that is inflation effect, but some of that goes back to employers that were listening to the wage outlooks that Jeremy Hill provided at our forum last year showed that Reno County wages were significantly lagging the state of Kansas and the nation. And it was one of the things that is holding us back. And we're not just lagging Kansas. When we are in basically the labor market with Wichita, we were lagging the Sedgwick County averages by somewhere between 11 to 15%. So some of these wage increases are trying to keep up with what the labor pool is in the area to become a lot more competitive. We still have a long ways to get there when you look at the overall average. Uh, we still are lagging the region, but I think some of the, the recognition by the employers is in order to attract a workforce, we've got to keep up. And it was one of the things that Jeremy hammered home in that Outlook conference was we don't have a labor issue in our state. We have a wage issue. Deborah, the unemployment numbers in Reno County are low as those things go. Um, we are somewhere in the two, three, maybe in a bad month, 4% unemployment range, um, depending on what time of the year you ask the question. Uh, effectively, that's that's pretty darn close to full employment, isn't it? We are. We are at really historic unemployment lows. And, and that's that's a good thing by one measure, but it does almost feel like we are at full employment. And you're right, Nick. Currently, uh, the most recent number from the Kansas workforce system shows we're at 2.2% unemployment, which equates to about 650 individuals that are qualifying for unemployment of some form in, in Reno County. And, um, you know, that is that is down from Last year, we were hovering in the 3% range. And so to hit 2.2%, I would say is almost a historic low. We may have hit it one other time since I've been here in Reno County. When when I came here 2016, we were in the 5.5% range. So here we are, you know, we're continuing to try to grow jobs, even though population here hasn't increased. And now we are at this really tight, the tightest of labor markets. And so we're at this point in time where local employers feel as though what happens if, you know, my neighboring neighbor business grows and then I still can't find people to fill the jobs. And I think that's why we have to continue to work on the quality of life issues that underpin all of this. If we don't shore up the things we talked about in the earlier segment, childcare and housing, and, and just some general quality of life um, amenities that people choose where to move, um, we won't win this game um, because we're not growing the population at the pace that we're growing jobs. And that's that's why we're at this very historically low unemployment situation. Okay, so 2.2% is uh, that. Now, let's remind folks that that number is people that are actively looking for work. So how do you tap into the latent labor force? In other words, the people that say, you know, if I had the right fit, I sure I'd love to go to work, but it's got to be the uh, something like 
part-time during the day because I have kids that are in school or, um, or it needs to be a, a something that I can't work whatever day of the week it is because I have something else going on that I do all the time or any of those kinds of things. Uh, how, do, how do you answer that when you're at this point from an economic standpoint? Well, it's all of those other benefits that an employer brings to the table to get creative. And some of it is investing in workforce. We've had employers that say, we will we will actually invest in sending you back to school to help you upskill if you will go to work for us and make a commitment to work. It's sometimes being as creative as that flexible scheduling that you mentioned. Um, I think every employer figures out that there's an ability to be flexible post-COVID. I hate to go back to the the COVID era, but when people figured out that they could work remotely, okay, then maybe it's not taking a sick day today because I have to stay home and care for my sick child. Maybe it's taking my laptop home in the in the professions that you're able to do that and working from home. And I think every employer, you know, has to figure out what is the happy medium of how they can be as flexible as they can and, and still keep the doors open, you know? So it, it is a struggle, but there are ways that employers are figuring it out. Okay. Um, did you find out about the Collins bus sale the same time everybody else did, or did you know and keep your mouth shut? Um, actually, no, I didn't know about it any sooner than you did, Nick. So okay. um, sometimes those things are kept closely held for a lot of reasons. I mean, there's investment decisions and management decisions. And and so um, I wasn't privileged to that. And even if I had been, I wouldn't have been able to share it. But sure. yeah. Uh, so I, I guess what I'm asking is that sometimes when you have businesses like that that change hands um you never know what that's going to look like because it depends on the the strategic thoughts of that particular business Uh, as an example just up the road this isn't hutchinson but it's close enough that we can talk about it um there's a company called tortilla king in mound ridge that bought land that that got bought by a bigger by a bigger firm that firm bought land next to them and now they're moving a plant out of california to the new land in mount ridge well so the point i guess i'm trying to make is a change in ownership does not necessarily mean negative things uh, it, it it's just as likely that it's a positive growth mindset that that people are having that's the reason why things change hands it's not always doom and gloom whenever uh, somebody from out of town buys a business that that's very true in fact Collins bus has been one of the best supporters of career quest that I mentioned they they helped underwrite part of the program last year and and they are really investing in their future talent and I have every reason to believe that this was a strategic acquisition that will allow them to continue to grow align them with a company that that, you know, fits their their business model, their product line, and um, and so many times it is it there it isn't a, a negative at all on the company that is in the selling mode or the buying mode. It's just simply what happens in business today. Um, you know, we we are probably it's still very fresh in our minds. Last year, just about this time, was when we learned of the Sunoco closure, and you know, in that case, um, that had been a company that had been here for years, but had um, gone through multiple acquisitions, and and that was a strategic decision on their part. And so we're dealing 
dealing with the after effects of that. So, um, but but I have every reason to believe this is a strategic acquisition of Collins Bus, and it's going to continue to mean good things for that facility for the long term. Well, and it would seem, at least based upon past history, that uh, that Berkshire Hathaway, which of course is Warren Buffett's company, uh, tends to let things that are running well continue to run well. John's Manville is still up there in McPherson. Um, they, they still, they, if they've got a good workforce and a good place with people that are skilled, uh, they don't they don't tend to move things around a whole lot. Well, they usually don't buy things that are losers, and so I think that they bought this because it is a it's a very strategic investment, and it means it's a strong company, and and that's the reason that they have looked at it, and and so I think it'll be a positive for us. Okay, now we're going to go into what I call ongoing projects. Um, in other words, the things that it looks like growth is going to come in the year. I got to ask about the spec building. It's just like, it's like the swallows returning to Capistrano. Every time I talk to you, Deborah, it's okay. What's happening with the spec building. So what's the latest on that? Yeah. So the spec building, um, I, I'm really excited about that. We're, I feel like every month we talk about this, Nick, we're getting dramatically close to a finale. Um, we have shown that building to some companies that have not made it any secret, honestly. There, we were showing it to some wind suppliers, and Siemens continues to kind of be at this kind of keeping their foot on the gas but not accelerating too much in the next year. But they are trying to tool up for a future product line that we think could turn into some real supply chain opportunities that then strategically right across the street, the spec building would have been a great fit for. The reality is that the timing just isn't aligning for these companies to sign a contract without having that you know firm contract with Siemens. And so we're staying close to those, but at the same time, continuing to market the spec building to other opportunities. And we've shown it to some companies last fall that are giving it some serious consideration. And I mentioned to you earlier, in the hall that we have a company looking at it. Um, they, they took a look a couple weeks ago and they're coming back to have another meeting with the owners of the spec building today. And I think we're getting really close. Um, as I've talked to the investors in the spec building, they did this with the intention that of being very community-minded. They weren't looking to make a real profit on the building. They just wanted to build product that give us a way to get people here and get people looking at Hutchinson. And for that reason, it's doing exactly what it was intended to do. Do they want eventually to sign a lease so that they can make their payment at the bank? Absolutely. Um, but but they also realize that this might be the loss leader. You know, this is the first building that they're building. This is not going to be the last. And so it's the hook that's gotten people to take a look at Hutch, and I'm really confident that we are going to get to that finale really soon. All right. Uh, we'll see which happens first, a sign on the spec building or Taylor and Travis getting engaged. Well, we'll <laughs> We'll see. We'll see which happens first on that one. But uh, speaking of uh, going elsewhere into your tackle box, so to speak, um, the the new industrial park potentially south of South Hutchinson. I've uh, been working on the waterline issues and so on. Got the annexation piece done. Um, what's next? Yeah, so we're going to continue to do the the exercises we're going through. So we still are in acquisition mode. Um, we have contracts on 
some of the adjacent land, but we haven't closed on all of it. We did close on another um, 80 acres just about two weeks ago. And so while we have some form of site control with things under contract, you know, we still have work to do behind the scenes. And then we're still working closely with the engineers on what the alignment looks like for delivering services to that site, you know, and we continue to, to market it as well. Um, last week to, at the Economic Outlook Conference, we talked about leads in the pipeline. And last year, we had a really solid pipeline of projects looking at Reno County. And some of those could be a fit. You know, we're, we're always on a fishing expedition. We're, sit, you know, sending our hook out there and then hoping we reel something in. But there isn't anything solidly lined up for that park. What we knew was we needed to develop a site that was a site for the future. And for the future for us means really 5, 10, 15, even 20 years out. It was 20 years ago when the city of Hutch acquired what we now know as the park where Siemens is. So these are exercises that communities go through to prepare for the future. And while it would be great to land something there later this year or next, the reality is there's a lot of planning that has to happen to get us there. So um, it was great that the city of Hutchinson and, and all the partners came together to take that step for annexation in December. Because what that gives is certainty when we do have this you know, site to promote to a prospect. They know who they're dealing with. They know what their tax rates will be. They know that they have an assurance that there's a plan for infrastructure. Um, because otherwise, all you really have out there is raw farmland. And it might be farmland for the foreseeable future. But at least we have the answers in place that we can give to an industry if they're looking.